Welcome back. We're now jumping into part two of week one in the boundary series that's entitled Firewalls, Fences, and Partitions. So we're going to pick up exactly where we left off at the end of part one. Uh, we were talking about the ability that each person has to respect other people's boundaries, that any boundary maker who wants others to honor his own boundaries, if he's a person of integrity, is also going to be a person that needs to respect the boundaries of others. So that was what we were in the middle of when we left off in part one, and we're going to pick up the conversation right there. How good am I at respecting other people's boundaries? So for instance, then he put the board up here, so I might as well use it. He cleaned it too. Okay, so if this is my boundary, and it includes half of yours because I think that some of your time belongs to me, then I'm not very good at respecting your boundary. Do you understand? That in order for me to have an identity and be an autonomous person, I also have to recognize that other people have an identity and they're autonomous people. And in a world where we kind of have the tendency to want more than we can have, it's easy to put the stake of my territory pretty far into your country. So I need to be comfortable just backing away. Okay, this isn't mine. Or they've said this isn't mine. Even if I disagree. Principle number seven. If a boundary is to be preserved or enlarged, there must be some strength behind it to hold its shape without strength or force of some type which holds the line. Any border is quickly pushed back or torn. And that ties right in with Principle number eight, some borders are virtual, while others are real, some are current, while others speak to an, a future. To have a different future, you must survey, stake out, and place a boundary marker around territory which isn't yet ready for a living. Do you want something different for the future? I asked you to think about what is that thing that you have always aspired to. Do you know what that is? It might tie to who you are. Who are you really? What do you love? What do you stand for? What do you believe in? What are you willing to fight for? What isn't, what isn't in life the way it should be and you're willing to fight for it? You're going to have to carve some things out of the way in order to be able to do that. Kind of interesting, it might you of Haiti. In Haiti, they need to not only establish the boundaries, they need to build a wall before they can do anything even develop the inside of the property. Because otherwise it will be out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I mean, they really have to set the country, literally. How about it? If you've been following international politics for the last number of months, you know that there are some troubling spots around the world. There are some spots that potentially require the United States to become more involved. All right, think North Korea, if you will. Think China and the South China Sea. Every time that we put a boundary in place, we need to decide to what limit we are willing to go to defend it. And this is a tough thing. What am I willing to expend in the way of time and treasure to preserve the boundary or is keeping peace 
more important than establishing a boundary. Because you know what's going to happen. When you put a line somewhere and say, no, you can't have this, no, you can't do that, or I will or I won't, you need to be able to follow up. Okay, so we'll talk about the southern wall, right? What happens if people don't respect that southern wall? I have to respond. Responding is difficult. One of the reasons we don't want to put firm, hard boundaries in place is that we're afraid, we kind of don't like ourselves when we're tough. You understand what I'm saying? It's not, you don't, right? You have an, a mental image of yourself as the good guy and then you've got to say no. What does that do to your mental image of yourself? Don't put a boundary in place. It's kind of like Jim said with your kids. Don't say no unless you're willing to mean no. And don't mean no unless you're willing to follow up and decide what you're willing to do to follow up. Because make no mistake about it, some things are going to get pushed. Like if you've had no boundaries for 10 years and all of a sudden one day there's a fence there, what are people going to make of that? You put that up by mistake? Come on, you didn't mean me, did you? I mean, I know those other things are wasters of your time, but what about me? We've been tight for years. You didn't mean that I was outside the boundary, did you? You've got to be willing to decide up front as you build the wall what you're willing to do to defend it. Because a defenseless boundary isn't a boundary at all. Great example of that is Vietnam. I mean, the boundary was to stop the spread of communism halfway around the world, for goodness sakes. And it ended up costing, what, 70,000 American lives or whatever the number is, a significant thing. For something that went the way of the hula hoops. <laughs> you know, I mean. All right, principle number nine. It will take patience and experience to become comfortable or competent to live within established boundaries. So we've talked about how difficult it is, but there's also a comfort factor. The day you set a boundary for yourself and find out that you have to live within, within the boundary that you just set for yourself, what's going to happen? Let, let's, let's stop using the word boundary for a moment and let's instead insert the word budget. So suppose for 20 years you haven't lived with a budget and one day you decide, you know what, enough is enough, I'm going to start to budget my money. And here's how much is allotted to, let's say, personal discretionary entertainment <coughs> items. And you exceed the budget or you push the budget to its limit in day one of a seven day week. What do you do on day two? So the problem sometimes is we don't want to live within the boundaries that we set for ourselves and so we start to create exemptions and exceptions to the rule. And after all, this is a legitimate exception to the rule. No boundary is going to be a good boundary unless... The, the, sometimes the hardest person to say no to is the person you see in the mirror. Are you willing to do that? And understand this. The reason you're saying no 
comes back to point number three. You've got to understand what you're about, what you're living for, what you're living toward. What's the purpose to a budget? If you don't understand what the budget is to accomplish, then it's difficult to say no. So let's role play that a little bit. Let's say that the purpose to the budget is not just to get out of debt, but let's say that you have a big dream. Maybe, maybe you'd like to buy a vacation home that your family can enjoy, that your children and your grandchildren can come be a part of. Maybe you have that as a dream in your life. But on the other hand, there's all these cool restaurants in town that you'd like to eat at every week. And it's kind of an either-or thing. Either I do this now or I have that later. If you don't have a very clearly defined reason why this thing that you want in the future is important, it's so much easier to say yes to everything in the present. Don't try to put boundaries in place unless you have a real why. Some of the things that you shared with me, Vinny, in, in that pro Vinny sent me an email. Like, Vinny is really juiced about this series. I don't know. I mean, he sent me like a, a full page long email that answered the questions that I sent out in the email. You can tell he's on board with this. There's a lot of work that we're covering here that can answer some of the things that you're talking, that you talked with me about in that email. All right. We talked about this a little bit, but principle number 10, some boundaries keep things out. We want what is outside the perimeter to stay outside. Other boundaries keep things in. Has something ever made you mad in life? Angry? I, I, okay, let me take that back. Have you ever become angry in response to something? Because I realize somebody's going to say, well, nothing can make you angry. That's true. Nothing else can make you angry. So have you ever become angry at something that someone else did? Okay. Anger is an emotion. At, at the moment you start to sense it, it's an internal response. So where does anger live at that moment? Inside the boundary or outside? Inside. What happens when anger meets strength and is expressed? Huh? Sometimes the anger, go yes, sometimes the anger leaves the boundary. Are there things in your life that you know that you need to keep inside? Remember, some boundaries keep things out. Other boundaries keep things in. We put boundaries at zoos because there are certain things that we want to keep inside the boundary. We want to keep certain things safe from what's inside the boundary. So just as much as I need boundaries to protect other people from encroaching on my world, I need to establish boundaries that aren't going to inflict harm and damage on other people as the result of things that are going on inside of me. And so one of the things that is really helpful is we'll call that, and they do that in some zoos where there's a space, right? There, there's an internal fence, there's an external thing, and there's some sort of a, a barrier, a natural barrier that's in the middle. If you struggle with anger, if you struggle with, with anything like that, where that could spill outside your terrain, that's helpful for you to have some boundary that way. Okay, next one. We can't easily anticipate all the boundaries which may be needed or helpful in life. Remember this phrase that we've used a lot of times? It's not the things that you 
knew that you didn't know that trip you up. It's the things that you never saw coming. When I attempt anything new, there's going to be things that I don't anticipate. When I attempt some new venture that I have never entered into, let's say I want to start a new business, let's say I want to begin a new ministry. Maybe I just want to be, maybe, maybe I want to get married, and I've never done this before. There are people who have already done this and can help me to establish good boundaries, help me to know what to expect. Do you have a fellowship of people that you go to that you can talk about how to build boundaries for you? Do you have counselors, wise counselors? The scriptures talk about this so often. A picture, we've talked about this before, but the wise elders at the city gate who sit together and they talk about life and they talk about what's going to benefit the city. And they don't always have the same opinions about something, but together they formulate a reasonable strategy for how to do what's best for the city. The wise elders do. Do you have a council of wise elders in your life that you can turn to and go to? And this is not an age thing. This is an experience thing. Vinny, as it turns out, is at least a few years younger than I am. But Vinny might be a wise elder in my life because... A few. Okay, let's let's not be too snarky here. All right, more than a few. Are you happy now? Vinny might be a wise elder in my life because he has experienced things that I haven't and I may need to turn to him for counsel or advice or just information. So let's not limit this to there's only certain people. Everyone has experienced something that you haven't and therefore to a certain degree anyone can be a wise elder in your life who has experienced something that you haven't. Christian radio in my mm. days or podcasting mean, some of the best advice in child rearing I had was from Focus on the Family for James Dobson's program years ago. Uh, you know, they can put the back pocket. At the same time, you have to be aware of people that don't have the experience but still want to give you the advice. <laughs> 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 Yes, that's true. <laughs> Incidentally, let me just put in a plug for what Paul said. If you still have kids at home, that the Focus on the Family has an app. You can put it on your phone. Uh, yeah, some 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 of their weekly or their daily things are a little lame. But there are some really great people that they get on there that have really rational, intelligent, and spiritually sound advice. So if you've got kids at home, that's a good app to, to have on your phone and listen to. All right, enough plug there. Okay, principle number 12, not all boundaries are fixed or rigid. We've talked about that. But let's just read this together. We need semi-fluid or permeable barriers to hold our knowledge, our values, and our beliefs. Unless we have permeability to certain mental boundaries, all new learning is impossible. Now just let that settle in for a moment. If you have no flexibility in your willingness to evaluate new ideas because you've put hard stops about what you believe, then no new beliefs or no new understandings are possible in your life. So, I've asked this question before, but it's been a while. Would you trust your 20-year-old self to give advice to your 50-year-old self. So what does that prove? 
The 50-year-old should, should be wiser, should have more experience, should have more knowledge and more understanding, right? How, does that, how is that made possible? It's only made possible because there was a permeability to your beliefs and your understandings. You were open to new ideas. Is that still true for you? Because when you're 20, you're generally open to new ideas. What about when you're 50? Or even older? What, what about that? Are you still open to considering new ideas? Or is the gate now closed? Alright, some general rules for boundaries. We've covered them somewhat, but let's just quickly walk through them. You know what, before we even get there, anything, any other questions or comments? Maybe concerns about how to interact with this? But if you aspire to do any, well, let me let me ask this question a different way because this is the way the question kind of like came to my mind as soon as you said that. Why do you show up in church on a Sunday morning? Do you show up in church on a Sunday morning simply to have affirmed everything you already believe, or do you show up here in the hopes that you are going to receive some additional piece of information that can transform your understanding? Of course, we all hope to find something new. Now, it doesn't mean, look, this semi-permeable barrier doesn't mean that you open yourself up to, as Ron said, the wise marriage advice from the single guy. Right? You have to have some discretion there. But we can say that there are trusted sources that we can gather some information from. Here's the problem. With age, we develop biases about what we will trust. Some right, some wrong. Have your kids ever taught you anything? Now, are your kids, generally speaking, wiser than you are? More experienced than you are? I mean, if you answer yes to that, maybe you're in trouble. But <laughs> See, sometimes we don't, we, we have certain sources, well, I'll receive from this, but I wouldn't receive from that. This, it's never easy, but I should be able to receive from a wide variety of sources. There might be things I have to throw out. You know, to speak to Ron's point again, there may actually be things that the single guy could point out that would be helpful in marriage. Maybe the truth is, he sees more about some quality in you that isn't helpful to your marriage than you're willing to look at. I didn't say that was true for you personally. I was just... just, just. And I think, too, I mean, if you think about you know, Lewis and Clark were explorers, Right? I mean, you know, they, they left the safety of their boundaries. They took a gun with it. They, didn't have a gun. <laughs> they still had a boundary. But, I mean, you know, taking risks is not necessarily living without boundaries. You know, if it's a new job, right, or if it's a, you know, a new ministry or whatever, you know, that's not... Moving that boundary out is not a bad thing, but you've got to have those established... Some anchor points that you know you can trust. And one of them is a group of people. I mean, I've emphasized that before, but one of them is a group of people. There are so few. I, I don't have many people in my own life. I keep looking for people that I can talk with at a deep level about important stuff on a variety of things. And I find that there's not many people you can do that with. I don't have many people in my own life. I would like to have a few more people. 
I've dreamed for a few years already about a group of people that was committed to personal and career and ministry growth and tackling new challenges and come together and fellowship and, and really share ideas, not just devolve into either complaints or stock answers. It's hard to find that. It's extremely hard to find people who are willing to press the edges of what's possible. Enough about that. Let's move on here. Alright, so some general rules for boundaries, most of which we've covered, but a boundary is a means of providing identity. So, who are you? That's a big question. Leave here asking that. Who am I, really? Boundaries must suit the situation and the people. Here, here's just a point which I'm sure you all appreciate and understand already. But don't go home and decide you're going to set 10 new boundaries without at least hinting at that to your wife. <laughs> there might be some, we'll say, turmoil in the house for a little while. Or perhaps you won't live in the house for a while. One of those two. Alright, point number three. Boundaries are only or at least most useful after knowing what is essential to being preserved and protected or rooted. Now, that's another point that we didn't talk about. Remember in the leadership series, we had a few questions. What's good in your life and needs to be preserved? What's okay in your life and needs to be improved? What's bad in your life and needs to be removed? And finally, what opportunity do you see in your life that needs to be created? One of those things is what's good in your life right now that you need to preserve? That's part of your identity. That's part of your core. What is good right now in your life or in your character that needs to be preserved? And maybe it's at risk. <coughs> setting boundaries, this is principle number four, setting boundaries is actually a privilege. It's a mark of adulthood. It's an opportunity that you get to carve out and establish your terrain and your territory. Who you are and what you're living for. This is an honor and a privilege that God gives us. So we should take it really seriously. This is one of the great stewardships that you have is the ability to cultivate and establish boundaries that will determine what is yours to manage. Bring us more of that. Well, I mean, if you don't set boundaries, you're going to be all over the place. People are going to be tugging at you from all directions, and you're going to be spinning your wheels. So it's an important part to make your life more enjoyable. And, and productive. And productive. So a slightly different way, and I don't think this fully captures what Paul said, but if you don't have a plan for your own life, you can rest assured that many other people do. And, and they'll take full advantage of it. So if you don't have, again, boundaries for your own life, many people will just assume that all of your life is inside of their boundaries. Okay, point number seven is good. Boundaries such as days or weeks or other units provide duration and stop points. They provide perspective for us. Been reading some work on artificial intelligence and some of the capacities of the brain, and I was really fascinated by this. I saw a page in, in a book, and it represented, and it was simply little bits of information in a grid. 
It represented the digital information that a digital eye and a robot saw and had to interpret. And it was talking about how difficult it is to help anything robotic to walk and not trip over things. And the key idea here is contrast. We all need contrast. So the doorway looks different than the wall. At night the doorway doesn't look different from the wall. Right? Because it's all dark and so what happens? Or might happen. Or if you're me it's already happened. Right? You run into the wall instead of run into the doorway. Because there's no contrast. Your life and mine, to see it clearly, needs contrast. And just looking at it through the, the challenges that humans are experiencing in trying to create, we'll call it intelligent artificial mobility, the challenges are staggering because we're starting to see clearly how many different functions the human brain has to perform in order to do something as simple as walking. And it's absolutely amazing. The, the way they described it, and I'm going a little bit off script here, but the way they describe it is that basically walking is a state of being one step from falling all the time. And the human mind learns how to process information and know exactly what your tipping point is and compensate and keep moving ahead. Just take that for what it's worth. Maybe it was worth nothing. I don't know. I found it fascinating. Forget it. Never mind. I mean... Okay, I'm deciding now whether I want to move on. Well, let's do number eight. The systems and habits we put in place prevent one area of life from gaining hold over all areas of life. So you need boundaries personally, even within your own life, to prevent... Well, here's my struggle right now, which I already shared with you. My work life is spilled over into the, I don't have a life other than a work life. And I shared with you, I really love work. I love what I do, I, I love the challenges, I, I'm, and I cannot bring myself to allow one sale to slip away. That, that's a defeat. No, there's one more dollar out there. I know this sounds horribly greedy. But <laughs> maybe, we need some, maybe we need to have some private time because I need some bigger boundaries, I don't know. But, but this is a challenge for me. How do I let that not, how do I let success not control and govern my whole life so that I have some time. Because at the same time, I'm sharing with Vinny and I shared with him in a couple of texts, I want this series to be good and yet every time I would want to take some time in the early morning to think about some of the principles that we've talked about this morning. Racing through my head is, oh, I've got these three people to follow up with. I've got this thing to do. i got that to do. And pretty soon, right, it's like, and, and everything is right on my phone. I take, I capture ideas in my phone. I send emails from my phone. I write other notes in my phone. And pretty soon, right, there I am in the middle of a principle, and it's like, i got to call so-and-so. I better set a reminder for myself, right? And then an email comes in, and it's like, you shouldn't look at that. Oh, it'll only be for five seconds. And then pretty soon, oh, look, there's three more sales inquiries that I've got to follow up on. And it's off to the races. We need bound... Look, uh, my life is weird. I'm not asking you to understand my life. But what do you need to put a hard stop on in your own life to keep that area from spilling over into every other area of your life? And I'm not even talking about your interaction with other people. We haven't even gotten to that. I'm not talking about, well, I need to carve out time to spend with my wife, with my children. I need to spend time with God. I'm talking about 
have you allowed one area of your own personal life to so overrun the rest of your life that there is no other element or aspect to your